0: Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September twenty second, two 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hello and welcome to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey. I'm your host today. This is the Arts Commission's weekly turn at the microphone here at MPB. Uh, each week, we come to you with an in depth discussion with a different creative Mississippian. We talk to visual artists, painters, photographers, musicians, craftspeople, writers, as well as people who help promote the arts in their community. We're at the Link Center, the community arts space in Tupelo, Mississippi, and we're here to visit with Amanda Kunlaba, who's an artist, teaching artist based here in Tupelo. Amanda, welcome.
1: Why, thank you.
0: So we are in your home base right now. We
1: are. This is home base for me, yes.
0: So you're you're, you're based here in Tupelo, but you also work in this very building that we're in.
1: (laughs) I like to say I live at the Link Center.
0: (laughs) Amanda of the Link Center. Amanda of the Link Center. All right. Well, you are a member of the Arts Commission's Teaching Artist Roster. I am. Which is uh, our artists who have specific experience and uh, training in working with teachers as well as students mm-hmm. in in doing, it, not just teaching the arts, but kind of helping put it into the curriculum in a, in a meaningful way, right? Yeah. And um, so let's just step back a little and talk about your, uh, well, maybe just give everybody kind of an overview of, of all this, kind of a overview of what you do right now.
1: Okay, well, I do a lot of things. I am on the artist roster, or teaching artist roster, so I go to schools and i I work with teachers, but also from time to time, we'll actually work with the students. Um, We have Party in the Art Room here at the Link Center, which as an on-site business, that's um, for art classes for kids. And then we have an online presence, too, where we have a blog and a website, and I make resources for art teachers and teachers that are trying to use the arts in their classroom. And um, we have had um, online art classes before, too.
0: Very good. So you've got all kinds of things going on, all arts related. So just talk about your background before you, you you were a teacher for a while before Mm -hmm. you kind of stepped into this role. But let's hear about your uh, background in the arts itself, the visual arts.
1: I, you know, I grew up around a lot of artsy people, but they were all musicians. Or I mean, they dabbled in visual art, but music heavy my family and blue. I go into bluegrass festivals and stuff, so I was really immersed in the arts um, as a child, but I did not pursue that when I became an adult. Um, I don't know if I didn't know know that I could actually, so um, I had not been talked about that or talked to about that as a student. And so when I went to college, I went into elementary education, which I'm so glad I did because I love that. And that's part of, it's made me part of who I am, but I just didn't know that I could be an artist until as an adult, I, there was like a void in me that I could not feel unless I did it with art. And I just, I don't have any formal training. I d- didn't go to school to be an artist, but I've t- been self-taught because it's something I can't live without. Um, and, you know, I've. About about 10 years ago, I think it was, I did my national boards in visual art education. And that's the national board Nas- certified, mm-hmm. certification for teachers. Yes. Yeah. And I took the praxis so that I could become an art teacher. And that's when I realized, I was like, when I was able to really start calling myself an artist, I was like, I am an artist. It took me, it was kind of a process for me to go through that, to get that language, to be able to say that about myself. And I you know since then i have submitted works to like the greenville arts council and things like that and i have had work on display and um i've been really happy with the things i do with visual art but i still say my passion is getting other people to make things to create that's where my passion is
0: i'm just curious about the music so did you play music at all or yeah so what, so was your family involved in like bluegrass music or what, mm-hmm. what, what my was My dad
1: it? plays, the, or he still does, played the banjo, played the guitar. My uncles all play the guitar. I have, my dad's got cousins that are like bluegrass musicians. We went to festivals all the time. Um, there's a, a, you know, my dad worked for WTVA, so he would sometimes like travel to Nashville and like be, the Hee Haw tapings and things like that. So there's one Hee Haw episode where Johnny Cash is the, the host. And, you know, they, they do that loop thing and they, they do it to like the road that I grew up on because of the bluegrass, all the people in the bluegrass. So I grew up around that. I played the guitar, played the piano, played the fiddle a little bit. I have a dulcimer in my office. So that's still part of my life. But the thing that the thing that like drives me, and Gives Me Life is visual art.
0: Did you grow up here in Tupelo? In or? Saltillo. In, in yeah. Saltillo, okay. Mm-hmm. Which is, I guess now kind of like a bedroom, like a suburban, like a bedroom community of Tupelo, yeah. right? It's not, maybe many years ago it was kind of its own place. It was, or? but
1: you know, for us, we, I grew up Catholic, so we went to church in Tupelo. And mm-hmm. my dad worked in Tupelo. So it, it was kind of like our lives were split between the two. so. Even though South to used to seem like it was its own place. Now, I mean, to me, they've always felt very, very connected. Okay. Yeah.
0: So what was it you said, you know, what was it that kind of you you went for elementary education? And do you remember the thing that kind of opened the door to you to kind of visual arts and, and, and kind of making that a possibility? I do.
1: I know exactly what it was. And you're going to love this story. I, the first I did my student teaching, and I got my first teaching job at Pierce Street Elementary with Dr. Debbie Davis, and they were a model school.
0: In the whole school's the education whole schools. program, which is <laughs> is our is the Arts Commission's. Not to folks, I, I didn't I didn't proctor this. I believe me, <laughs> but this is the Arts Commission's long running arts integration um, initiative that we offer to different sco- schools around, primarily uh, elementary schools around the state. Sorry
1: oh, that's fine. I knew you were going to do that. Um, and you had no idea I was going to tell the story. No. But I, my, so my first teaching experiences were there and the arts just oozed from the walls of that school. I mean, it, it was all or nothing with the arts and being in that environment and being a teacher who learns how to teacher students you know my primary goal at the time was to be a good teacher and teach reading but I learned how to integrate the arts and that became a part of who I am and it became such a part of my DNA that when there that I had gotten so I think so immersed in it that there happened to be an art teacher position that opened up across town at another school at Lawhorn Elementary and the principal there said to me, "We want you to come because we want your background in arts integration, and we because we want to do it here, and we need somebody that can lead the arts and that can lead that initiative with us." And so it was just like it was like the stars all aligned, and I remember that being the, when I was like, "I'm an artist, like I'm a teacher, and and I'm I'm an artist." And it was, I think that background with the arts commission and. Oh, I've had so much training, so much awesome training. It helped develop me as an artist. It gave me a lot of confidence as an artist, but I can't separate that from the teaching. It's, I can't pull the two things apart. The teaching and the art go together for me.
0: You're listening to the Arts Hour on MPB. I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is Amanda Kunlaba. She's a teaching artist based in Tupelo, and we're talking with her at the Link Center, one of her her home away from home in Tupelo, where she... Uh, leads her classes for uh, uh, youth in the community. Um, so were there, um, is there sp- specific elements of visual art that, that you you really got interested in in terms of painting or, or,
1: yeah, or really printmaking or whatever? I really got into mixed media and collage because I was able to, you know, I, I, you can pull a magazine out and make a collage with kids. So I found that to be like an, a really good access point for my students. I was teaching first grade before I started teaching visual art. That, that was a really, really good access point for them. And for me to be able to teach it to them and have them do it, I would have to go through the process myself beforehand. And that, that was kind of the starting point. But that's, that's also why I think still I, I'm just I'm crazy about mixed media. That's my favorite thing to work with for myself.
0: So when you went over to is it Lawhorn? Lawhorn, but it's spelled L A W H O N.
1: Yeah, Lawhorn.
0: Lawhorn, (laughs) you don't know how relieved I am to hear that because for years I said (laughs) I would see it on our in our grant. You know, Lawhorn is a longtime grantee of the Arts Commission, and I always oh that's Lawhorn, and then I finally said oh no, there's no R.
1: And it's so funny (laughs) because I thought it was Lawhorn too until I went over there. Yeah. And one time we had all the teachers had a T-shirt printed and it was had the pronunciation printed across the front of the (laughs) t-shirt
0: see i was doing it right and i didn't even know it i I started correcting myself yep (laughs) so when you went over there so you're uh this is the thing you're gonna do but i mean i would imagine that was a big change in terms of like you went from one lesson that you could integrate with your classroom in a classroom setting to like you're the main you're the artist and you've got every day have something for these kids so it was
1: a huge change well i mean the sheer number of the difference in the number of students I had to teach was huge because I had never had more than 16 kids at a time teaching in the regular classroom. And I went I mean, I, you know, there were 600 of them at Lawhorn. And they're all your students. (laughs) Yes, all of them. And that ended up being a blessing in the long run. But I learned really quick that some of the same things that I had ingrained, gotten ingrained in me in the regular classroom applied to teaching visual art and they applied to leading teachers too because i was the project director there which i had not been at thomas street i was at thomas street and i was at pierce street so um one of the things that comes to mind that i just mentioned earlier was just having to go through the process myself which made me a stronger artist but i had to i had to go through the process of everything that i was going to teach so if i had if there was i couldn't just couldn't just pull a lesson off the internet and walk in and teach it. I had to have made the time to go through it all myself so that I could teach it to the kids. And I remember a teacher talk asking me, you know, how do you, how are you getting this quality of artwork out of your kids? And I, and she said, I just feel like every time I go in to teach it, there's something, something, uh, some kind of disaster happens, or there's a setback. And I said, well, have you actually done the process yourself? And she's like, I didn't think about that. So that, But that made me a stronger artist. That was something that I had been doing in my regular classroom that I was able to carry over into teaching art and then use that with the teachers because they need to experience the processes so they can understand them and then understand that, you know, how to use an open-ended creative process with their kids.
0: So did you, so you taught the teachers as well? Yeah, I I I did a lot of work
1: with the teachers when I was there, which, you know, that, that really helped me learn how to do what I'm doing now as a teaching artist.
0: So was it pulling out a sample lesson or what's an example of how you might have helped them kind of understand your a, process?
1: We had this really awesome principle that would build time into my day so that I could go and meet with the teachers when they had their grade level meetings. And usually the way it worked was somebody would say, we're teaching a, a skill. How can I integrate? What can I integrate with that? How do I get, how do I do this and we would just have a brainstorming session, and I would have some art, the art background to talk through the process, to help link the standards between the art standards and the, whatever they were teaching. And sometimes I would have teachers come to me, and they would already have an idea of an art project that they love, They just because they liked the way it looked. And they wanted to do it with their class, but they wanted it to be rigorous, and they wanted it to meet standards. So then I would have to help them come up with a process to help to make sure it met standards. And so we would, we would do that together. And we would, kind of, in the forms of just little informal meetings, trainings, coaching, kind of.
0: This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at five PM. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. We're back on the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey with the Arts Commission and our guest today is Amanda Kunlaba. She's a teaching artist based in tupelo and she does a bunch of different things in the community um so during your time as a as a as the as the arts teacher in elementary school i guess the downside is that you had all those as a teacher say have all those preps because you had every single grade right that you had to teach but i guess the, the the great thing was that you had the you know the necessity to learn all those levels and all of that you know to to teach all those different grades
1: oh yeah it it really helped me see the big picture um I I mean to see the big picture the big picture of the goals of my school and to be able to see the big picture of the goals of the district and then from there like just to start understanding well the goals of the arts commission and how they work with schools and just big, I just kept seeing bigger pictures and bigger pictures and how more and more people could benefit from it. And then it was, it did force me to have to really change and see, I mean, I had to understand how fifth graders, what their developmental, what's appropriate developmentally for them as a creative process is different from a second grader, which Lawhorn is second through fifth grade when I was there. So it, it helps me grow like that.
0: So you have this business now called Mm -hmm. Party in the Art Room, but Mm -hmm. I was reading that it originally started online, or is that right, that that it started as a blog?
1: It did. Tell me about that. (laughs) When I I went to Lawhorn, I was having all these eye-opening moments, aha moments as a teacher because the change, it was different, and then I was working with so many more students, and I, that is, I mean, I had, I had believed 100% in arts integration before. That's all I knew as a teacher. But when I went to a school that had not been doing it and saw them start to implement it and saw that started witnessing that change, I, that, I wish everybody could, could go through that and see that. But I wanted to share. I wanted to talk about it. And I wanted other teachers to know about it. So I started that blog. And at the, when I first started, I wasn't really sure what I was doing. I wasn't sure if I could, I mean, I, I wasn't putting any, I knew I wasn't doing any thing like putting kids' names on there or anything like that, but I just wasn't sure about it. And then an art teacher in the district said, I found this really, really great blog, y'all. It was at a meeting, and she said, it's called Party in the Art Room. And I was like, is it the same one that I write? <laughs> it was, and she's like, you need to put your name on it. So I, I ended up you know making it much more public and people people started emailing me and telling me they were following the blog or that they, they had been following me online or had seen the blog on twitter and it opened doors for me to do consultant work and or to go like to the national arts education association conferences and present and things like that and um I, it, it just I saw like it it opened doors and I was able to reach so many more people. So that's where partying the art room started. About nine, eight years ago, eight or nine years ago.
0: Just so really just kind of your ideas as yeah. a teacher and wanting just to well, here's share what it I'm it with doing
1: people. and this is what it looks like and this is what I learned from the process or here's the lesson plan I used. And
0: talk about some of the, the feedback that you got or did you get Uh, recommendations or maybe try this or oh you know I went and did it and this is what happened yeah
1: and I I still have people all the time send me pictures where they've done one of the lessons with their their students or they'll email me and ask me a question about it I have um, a partnership with the online institute for arts integration and steam which is a national organization and that Organization. I've I created a classroom management course for them for arts integration. Um, I do some coaching for, with teachers through them, just a really good partnership. But that partnership came because she knew who I was because of Party in the Art Room. She had been following that blog.
0: Is there kind of a big, um, you know, all these little subgroups, you know, people, <laughs> people who like uh, the Walking Dead or Star Trek fans. What is the what's kind of the landscape of the arts educator kind of online community like is this is was you know what what tell talk a little bit about that and how you fit into that
1: oh I think well I'm gonna get tickled because I my perspective is there's probably less than 20 bloggers who started their I mean they started blogs just like I did around the same time I did and I think each one kind of kind of has their own little community,
0: you and know. This is arts education. On, yeah,
1: arts education bloggers yeah. uh-huh. and webs And now you know they're doing. Everybody's kind of doing different things, but we all pretty much know each other and we collaborate and and talk. And um, it's a, it's that that is a, a nice network to have, you know. And if you don't ha- if you don't have the answer or that particular specialty, you know someone who does. But I have always thought that I had, I was at the bottom of the barrel because they're all so amazing. All the, these other art teachers who are blogging are just just amazing, doing amazing, amazing stuff. And I always say, oh, I can't keep up with that. But, you know, in, in my way, I do my own thing. I do a lot more arts integration with my visual art um, than a lot of the others do. Did that answer your question?
0: Yeah, and... And, and in some ways, you have that lived experience of having that intense arts integration experience that I, I imagine so few teachers really where that at the principal level, you know, the whole school is really focused on doing this thing, you know,
1: yeah, it is was I do have a, I think, a unique background as far as that goes because I was in the regular classroom. Um, at an arts-integrated school, at a model school for so long, and then I became an arts educator. And then I, when I was at Lawhorn, I did a principalship um, program, and I have a, an administrator license. And I did an internship with the principal that was at Lawhorn. So I have that. How that looks, kind of from an administrative aspect too. So I think that is a probably a unique perspective for arts bloggers, or for art elementary art bloggers. <laughs>
0: You're listening to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrison and we're talking with Amanda Kunlaba. She's a teaching artist on the Arts Commission's teaching artist roster, and she's based in Tupelo. Um, so, what led you to take the jump from being, you know, in in the classroom to becoming kind of a freelancer and and doing the stuff that you're doing today? How did where did how did that journey happen?
1: Oh my gosh, it was an emotional one. I will say that I. The minute I got to Lawhorn and I started to see, well, the minute I started teaching 600 kids at a time every week, and then, then watching that transformation of that school, just, just that school began to ooze the arts too, is what I mean by transformation. I was like, uh, more people need this. How do we get this to more people? And that's what led me to want to be a principal. I thought I was going to be a principal and I could have more, maybe more of an impact on kids that through the arts. And that didn't work out. But in hindsight, I think that f- was for a reason. But I think there was this, there was just this moment where I realized I can't, I don't think that I can live with myself if I don't do something to where I can really reach more people and while I'm still in the classroom the the main people I'm reaching are just at the school which there's nothing wrong with that that's a good thing to do but I wanted to be able to go into other schools and take what I was doing what I had seen work and what I believed in to other teachers to other schools I wanted to be able to write more I wanted to be able to work on bigger projects and I couldn't do that if I was going to keep teaching full-time because you know last fall I was able to go to Henrico County, Virginia and work with their middle schools teachers. And I was also, I also went to Los Angeles and worked with uh, Watts Elementary there. I never would have been able to do that if I was still teaching in the classroom because it was in the middle of the school year. So I just, I had this, 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 it was like a switch turned on that I realized I've got to do it now. It's risky, you know, to quit your job and follow your heart like that but it was it was just like I couldn't live if I didn't do it
0: so you kind of have a couple different I mean I imagine you have three or four or five different strands but there one strand of it is kind of like consultant and teaching artist, and the other part is kind of this more commercial space of providing arts instruction so talk about the arts instruction part and how that kind of germinated and where it is now
1: Are you talking about, like, the classes? Party in the Arts Room, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: so that part of it, yeah.
1: So we still, we call the whatever online presence we have or I have Party in the Art Room. But we also call, like, our space at the Link Center Party in the Art Room. And when I first first quit teaching full-time and moved into the space at the Link Center, I was just going to rent an office space so I'd have somewhere where I could write and write lessons and, you know, But there was a classroom down the hall, and I just, I was like, I can't just look at that. I mean, there's somebody has got to go in there and teach art. Like, I just couldn't help it. It was just, it was calling my name. And I had a parent, a local parent, ask me if I would consider doing a class because she wanted her little boy to come. And I was like, I could could probably squeeze in a class. And I opened up a a time for a class, and I just kept having more and more people ask me for it. And I said, okay, well, this is something I think that we need. That I need to be doing, I, I you know I can. This is um, one way I can reach kids in a different in a different kind of capacity. And so, just kept adding more classes, and I we have four right now. Uh, no, we have five classes right now. Those kids kind of get a much more intense visual arts experience. They get to um, they get to do things that I couldn't do in the classroom with six hundred kids. You know, lots more clay, a lot more plaster just a photography things that I I just didn't have the means to do in the regular classroom so it's a lot more intense but also like I'm just so such a curriculum minded person you know I have developed a curriculum for those classes so that it builds over time so the kids are actually learning they're not just not just kind of coming in and having a one-shot arts experience.
0: And these are, and and so the ones you're talking about are kind of like the ongoing, these are like after school and then there's, there's ones for homeschoolers as Mm -hmm. well. There's
1: one during the day on Thursdays and then the rest are after school during the week.
0: And this kind of grew like just word of mouth or how did that?
1: Word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah. It was a totally organic thing. I had not intended to do it, but like I said, I couldn't just sit next to an empty classroom and not be in there teaching. That's just who I am. I have to be I have to be teaching. You know, it also gives me like a laboratory to where I can test a lesson.
0: You can the, continue to teach and, yeah, and, and I figure can keep things learning. out. Yeah.
1: I can keep working with kids, and, and that way I don't forget like what they need from me. And I can – I've also been bringing in other teachers so that I can kind of train them and work with them uh, to learn like my kind of methodology and philosophy and the way I do things so that they – can teach too, kind of kind of like a party in the art room kind of method Mm -hmm. of visual art teaching
0: this is larry morrissey thanks for listening to the podcast version of the mississippi arts hour the show is broadcast on mpb statewide radio network on sundays at 5 p.m for access to all our past shows please subscribe to the arts hour on your favorite podcasting app ever tell you of the price of something and it sounds so high you think eh, maybe I'll try it myself some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it if you want to find out how to do those things listen to fix it 101 podcast everywhere this is an mpb think radio podcast we're back on our final segment of the arts hour today I'm Larry Morrissey and our guest is Amanda Kunlaba she's a teaching artist and she's based in Tupelo, Mississippi, and we're visiting with her in her home away from home, the Link Center in Tupelo, where she teaches classes for uh, many different kids in the community. Earlier when you were talking about your time at Lawhorn Elementary, you know you had been at a school that was an exemplar of arts integration and you kind of brought it over to Lawhorn and you were saying, I saw the changes that were happening. Give us some examples of how it infects everything in terms of school and, and achievement.
1: I think that's why so many people were reaching out to me because it's exciting. And to ha- actually, you know, for teachers, we know there's this theory and we know it's supposed to work. When you can have somebody actually talk about how they saw it work, on a big scale I think it's a I think that's a huge deal one of the main things that I saw at Lawhorn that I thought was huge and we've talked to to a lot of people from that school about this parents and the kids even is the community involvement was a huge transformation because we wanted to make the school an artful place we wanted to have an artful environment and we wanted it to be a place that the kids could take pride in so we started just having like a work day on Saturday and people would come in and they would paint a mural, paint chairs, plant flowers. You could come and we would just all be making art, but then it was stuff that we would benefit the school because it would stay at the school. And so then, you know, a lot of our kids, well, we would never get finished with with it in one day. So then I would pull it, pull whatever we were working on back into the art classroom or we would go outside and go to the mural with my classes and so then all of the kids got to see that happening they got to see the communities coming in they care about our school we are getting to actually paint this chair that's gonna sit in the lobby and i might be able to sit on it you know they were taking ownership of their physical school environment and i think that teaches them to care about what's going on there and they they're engaged in their community in their environment and from there then they can Engage further in like the math instruction when it's just math instruction, but it really, really did help them. I think form a connection. It wasn't like we went and bought a piece of art and hung it. They made it, and even if the kids that didn't work on that artwork, that particular piece, they knew that there was something they had worked on at that school, so they knew to value it because they knew somebody, somebody in the school had created that. So I think that was that was one of the that that's probably my most powerful story.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, I was, I wanted you to maybe just give a give some examples to, to the audience about on your website, you've got a bunch of different, uh, um, uh, you talking about these different experiences, but also Mm -hmm. kind of like sample, I'm not going to call them lesson plan. Maybe that's too (coughs) simplistic to say lesson plan, but like a a pathway, you know, for Mm -hmm. a teacher. And I was really interested. You, uh, one of them uh, mentioned the contemporary artist, Paul Klee, who's a Uh, Swiss, He was. remember the Bauhaus in the early 1900s in Germany and he is an abstract artist but it was interesting to see bring kind of abstract art into an elementary school setting so talk about what spoke to you about his work and and how you you, you integrated that
1: I feel like there's a handful of artists that are just really common to elementary classrooms, Van Gogh you know, Da Vinci Um, but As I got to as I got to know the kids better, and I got to know their families better, I it seemed to me like they just were they did they didn't care about those artists that are everywhere. So I started. I was like, you know, there's more to, you know, there's more to art, the arts and visual art than these five people that everybody knows. So I was like, and they deserve, and they deserve, and they have the right to learn about these people who are doing different things, because not everybody's, you can't compare yourself to Van Gogh, you need to know that there's 500 other people out there that made art, and made it, and it had an impact, so I, you know, my process for finding artists is, it it varies, like, I just happen to really love that artist, and I love Klimt, too, so I obviously wanted to do something with them, but Sometimes it's like uh, there's this, I will think there's this math concept that I want to figure out through art. And I'll, I will just sit and I will just look and look and look for an artist that has something about their art that has that concept. I, I've just done a lesson with some schools this school year in Mississippi with um, an artist who uses short vowel words in there and the name is escaping me i'm so sorry but he he uses like cat hat these short vowel words and so we were able to use that to it's
0: it's in his artwork it's in his actual actual artwork so we're
1: talking about you know artists use words in their art and here's some words that you're learning you know it connected so no artist is off limits i don't think i had a naysayer oh Contact you know, or contact me and say something about I can't believe you teach Frida uh, at with your elementary students that she's too mature. And I was like, but I am the teacher, and I am in, I am very much in control of what information they get while they're in my presence, right. and what we do with that information. They need to know about her because she's everywhere. They're going to see her somewhere. She's going to be on somebody's t-shirt probably. You know, they're going to see her. So I never felt like there was something that was off limits. I mean, obviously it didn't show nudity and, you know, Mm. profanity or whatever. But because every artist, there's something about them that is teachable. So, and I mean, my favorite ones to teach were the obscure ones. And and that seemed like those are always the best lessons.
0: And the the, the Paul Klee, the one Paul Klee Uh lesson I saw, it was about like kind of a, was it a self por- an abstract abstract self-portraiture? Like people, it was a face, but it was an abstraction. And I keep thinking it was like you do your own kind of abstract self-portrait. I think that... an,
1: I have a, several of his lessons I've, yeah. that I've written about. So the oh, one okay. I think you're do, you're talking about is a.
0: It was like a face. A face. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. It's it's portrait. It's the concept of how do you take the parts of your face. And simplify it and make it so that it doesn't look natural, but it still looks like a face. You know, I love using stuff like that with kids. I've, I've been doing that recently in my classes here at the Link Center because they're so, they, the, the kids are just so uh, intent on being hard on themselves and making it look real.
0: Right, and that, it's not that,
1: necessarily developmentally appropriate for them.
0: And that's where a lot of kids get hung up. I know I and did so, uh-huh. about like, I can't make it look like it really looks, right?
1: And so let's back it up, and I'm going. Well, you got to get out of your box. Like, what else could represent a nose? Or, or how? What other shape? You know. And so it, it helps. It, I think it does so much more for that creative thinking than really tr- trying to work on the realism which I talk about that with my parents that have kids that come here a lot because there's, I, I I feel like in general, there's a little bit of a misunderstanding between like what fine art is and just what art is in general. I mean, ab, this abstract work that we're talking about, is very much to me, fine art. And I think it pushes kids out of their comfort zone. And that's what they need. That's what, you know, That's why I love to use those artists.
0: (laughs) You're listening to the Arts Hour. and We're talking with Amanda Kunlava. She's a teaching artist based in Tupelo, and she teaches at the Link Center and does consultations throughout the country. Um, Yeah, I was, I wanted to, I think I read you talking about kind of like that, that uh, not everybody you're teaching right now is going to become an artist or stay an artist. Maybe it's a few of them, but that kind of like unlocking that ability to think creatively seems like. The skill that you're giving many of them to kind of carry forward. I think
1: that's the root of it. Yeah. The, is the creative thinking. You don't have to always, I mean, I hope that they, I say like our goal at Party in the Art Room, and my goal as a teaching artist is to create lifelong artists. Maybe they'll come back to it like I did, you know, but it's so much more important to me that they can think for themselves and that they can think creatively because that is the way we're going to, that's how we innovate. And I think every human being on this planet deserves to be able to access their creativity and to be able to use it because it shouldn't just be for a few people who have a, you know, the quote, superior education at, at superior schools. It should be for everybody. Everybody should be able to think creatively. So, um, yeah, we, we do it through visual art, but we are we build creative thinkers. That is the root of what we do and what I do.
0: So, so tell people about, kind of give us an overview of the the party in the art room kind of instruction that you do here. Like, what are the classes like? When are they offered? What are the options and those kind of things?
1: We have, most of our classes start at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and we have them on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I'm looking at adding some extra s- slots in the fall. Um, we, we meet three weeks out of the month, so we take at least... Most months have four weeks, you know, there might, if you have a Monday class, you might have five Mondays or something, but we meet three times a month for an hour each time. And we meet for, right now we're meeting for eight months out of the year, but I'm also considering doing nine months next year. Uh, we don't, we had not met in December and did not, are not going to meet in March just to have time off because my, the feedback I've been getting from the parents is this is a lot. They have to go to a lot of things, you know, and I get it because I have they kids got other too. Stuff, it's, yeah. it, and they want them to have this. So if we were trying to do it every week, it's just too much. And I think it helps the students reset. It really, I really do think it helps them reset and come back to things. So um, you asked me about times, um,
0: the different the, offerings. So you have the kind of the year long, yeah. after school thing. We'll talk about some. You have the, some, some shorter term things as well, right? Yeah, we
1: have. So we have. What we have, um, I guess I would call them like um, a la carte art classes. You know, we have kids nights every now and then on a Friday night where you can bring your kid and drop them off and we'll feed them and we will like they can make one piece of art. They might have a watercolor experience. Those are much, those, those offer much less of the creative process. I always have to throw that in there. Um, It's a whole lot more of a get a piece finished kind of class. And then we have camps. And we do, our camps are three days for two hours a day in in the month of June. And those are really fast paced too. So those are kind of like olive cart. If you think you might want your kid to come, but you're not sure, those are great ways to try it out. Yeah.
0: And I think I saw in there something where you were talking about like the importance of good quality materials as well. Like I think everybody thinks, oh, you're going to do art. You go to Walmart and buy, you know, the craft supplies. but maybe you could talk a little to that about how that the differences matter in terms of what you're doing.
1: Well, first of all, I, I believe a hundred percent that you can make art out of anything, but I think that it is important to experience, especially for kids to experience higher quality materials. And I even, that was even my philosophy when I was at Lawhorn, I, I wrote a lot of grants to be able to buy better quality materials um, because you know you can't use watercolor paint on paper that feels like a Kleenex they're they're gonna get frustrated the it doesn't kid, absorb right. it doesn't hold it the paint there's act there's right. there's yeah. things like that that you have to know about the materials and I I don't I feel like the kids get frustrated they're they're putting all this they've put in our classes they're putting this huge amount of brain work into it those projects don't look like I made them They don't look like our teachers made them. We have a lesson that we're teaching these skills, but the kids are doing the creative thinking. So they've put a huge amount of brain work into a project. If you have low quality materials, it's going to, that's going to set them up for failure and they're going to get frustrated. So I really do believe in using high quality materials. So I, I say that we, we use the materials I use when I create.
0: And that makes them feel like an artist, Mm -hmm. that that this is serious business. This isn't playing around either, Right. right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, we're up against the clock here, but thank you so much for coming in. If people in the Northeast Mississippi are interested in your classes in that or, 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 uh, or your blog, tell us where to go.
1: The first place I would go would be to partyintheartroom.com. Um, you can contact me through the website, but we also have a Facebook page. It's Party in the Art Room. Um, and I just, I'm so thankful that you let me come on here and talk. This has been so lovely. I just wanted to make sure to tell you that.
0: We enjoyed it very much. Thank Thanks for you. all you do. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app.